welcome to season one, episode one of the Reach Podcast with Jalen Jones and Aniyasi Nunez. Funding provided in whole or in part by the Illinois Department of Human Services, Division of Substance Use Prevention and Recovery, and the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services, Health Services Administration. Yes, before we get started with the podcast, let me go ahead and introduce myself. My name is Jalen Jones. I work for the Kenneth Young Center. Um, I'm over the Hanover Park area, so um, the grant that we're under is uh, um, CYS, which is Community Youth Services. So um, it's just, um, it's a, it encompasses a lot of things, but it's just working with the youth in the community, just um, trying to keep them out of trouble and help them succeed in whatever area, and also um, bringing the community together and building the community. And then my name is Anianti Nunez. I also go by Anna. Um, so I am also a project associate for uh, the Kenneth Young Center. My service area is the Outgrow Village service area, and we are trying to engage the youth um, ages 11 to 24 in prevention of youth violence and delinquency. Yes, yes. so let's dive into it, y'all, man. I'm excited. Um, today we will be talking about diversity, racial equity, and inclusion. And we will be joined by our two guests, if y'all would like to introduce yourselves. I'm Kay. Um, I go to Conant High School and, or I used to. You used to? Okay. I graduated. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm one of the youth workers at KYC for the summer. Well, ditto. Hi, everyone. My name is Faith Massey. Uh, I used to go to Conant as well. We're an alumnus now. Yeah. Wow. Anyways, um, I also work contractually with Kenneth Young Center. Oh, pronouns. I'm, I go by True. she, her. I use she, her, hers as well. Mm -hmm. I use she, her, hers as well. Yeah, and this is Jalen's voice. <laughs> I use he and his. Because they didn't know. Yeah, they did. <laughs> and then before we get into our topics today, we're going to be covering diversity, racial equity, and inclusion. But before we go ahead and get into our conversation, let me go ahead and define a couple of these terms. So diversity is a practice or quality of including or involving people from a range of different social and ethnic backgrounds. And then another word is going to be equity. Equity involves trying to understand and give people what they need to have a joyful and healthy life. And then we have inclusion, which is a practice or policy of providing equal access to opportunities and resources for people who might otherwise be excluded or marginalized. And then race. Race is the person's appearance. This can be both the color of, the, of your skin, um, and then we can also talk about ethnicity. Ethnicity has to do more with your nationality, traditions, religions, and languages. And then now that we've defined those terms, let's go ahead and get this conversation started. Let's do it, let's do it. Um, I think it would be fitting to go ahead and uh, let people know what race we're here for representing because we have. That's true. Um, all of us are from a different race, so I'm black. Yes. I am Mexican. Say your name for you. <laughs> <laughs> Anna? Yeah. Anna. Anna Mexican? Oh, I'm Faith. Um, I'm biracial, black, white, and a touch of Native American. Mm. I'm Kay. I'm also mixed, and I'm half Japanese, half white. Ooh, so we're going to have a good conversation. Oh, we're going to have an amazing conversation today. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, so let's jump right into it, man. So what are some disparities you see on a day-to-day -day basis when it comes to, to the topic? I mean, but where can you start? 
There's so much, yeah, much that you can talk about, um, especially like we're seeing a lot of things with like BLM and the Latino community with the whole election, like DACA renewal, things like that. Um, anything else wow. that you like what's, what's going on with the election? Well, <laughs> before the election, obviously, like, you know, people were saying that like some parties were a little bit more racist, wanted to you know, exclude a lot of people, especially when it comes to, like, immigration camps and separation of families. That's also a very big topic, especially, like, in my culture. That's something that's really heavily talked about right now. Yeah. Understandable. Oh, my goodness, because it's been crazy. The last year yeah. has been crazy with the killings of, of black men and women mm -hmm. innocently by the police. It's just been crazy. And, uh, along with COVID and the pandemic and having to isolate, I think that was just like the, the, uh, the hay that broke the camel's back. Mm -hmm. So um, just with all the protesting and the rioting going on, it's, it's good. It feels almost like a win, a little, a little victory. It's almost <laughs> like a little victory um, that this even being recognized. Um, I know most people don't know what Juneteenth is, but Juneteenth is, um, the day that the word made it to Galveston, Texas, that the slaves were free in uh, 1865. Um, if you know anything about history, the Emancipation Proclamation was signed in 1863. So it took two years to make it to Galveston, Texas, where the last group of slaves were for, um, and, uh, for them to know that they were free. And they, um, and crazy thing is, it wasn't like one person showed up with a piece of paper and said, hey, they're free. Like, mm -hmm. they showed up with 2,000 Union troops, like, hey, like, we got to let them go. So, like, just the, the fight and the push for that is just crazy. So to know that that's actually now a national, like, federal holiday, big win. I know, I know a lot of people don't know about it. I didn't actually know, like, learn about it until I was in college. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's amazing. It's amazing for this to happen, especially for the community. The POCs out there are mm -hmm. all super excited. For sure. Absolutely. I think it's definitely, sorry, Jalen. I think it's definitely a step in the right direction. Like, I don't know, it, it's almost collimates to Juneteenth in and of itself. Like, yeah, it doesn't solve everything, but it looks good and it feels good. You know, that's something that our ancestors would be so proud to be here right now to experience. And we get to experience that. And that's what just keeps coming on. Like, this is actually something that's meant for my people, for me. And we're going to get days off or whatever, and we can publicly celebrate it as, I don't know, a team, as a state, as a country even. That's exciting. Absolutely. And um, I want to ask a question, but before I do, I want to ask Kay, like, what has been your experiences or, like, what are some big things that's been going on? Mm -hmm. For, well, there's been a lot of stuff about South Asian hate, definitely, that I've been mm -hmm. seeing a yes, lot. Yes, yes. And it's brought up big. the conversation of, honestly, it hits at the core of the mono-minority myth of people who are saying, well, that was used to separate people of color from Asian people, like pit us against each other. Mm. And it's not a, it's just something created by white supremacy to put us against each other. Exactly. And the mono minority myth also only works for white people or people in power to use as an excuse to say, well, look, these other people of color should work harder because look at these Asian people. But as soon as we became a nuisance, like with COVID, mm -hmm. or as soon as we became a problem, that went out the window and we're only used mm -hmm. to oppress other people of color rather than just seeing us as we are. Um, so I think the model minority, is, that is something I realized that like, oh, we're disposable. Like mm -hmm. as soon as we become a problem and COVID came up and we became the target for it, that's when we realized like, oh, like this is not 
this is not true. Like, this is just being used. Um, yeah. But you know what that makes me think of? They do that a lot. Like, there's a lot of people of color communities that are pinned against each other. I think um, the Afro and the Latinx community. Yeah, so the Afro-Latinos and a lot of, like, other, like, non-African Latinos, we get pinned against each other. Like, I don't, yeah. this might be a little bit, like, or I don't know, like a reach, but a lot of, uh, like, Mexicans and Puerto Ricans, especially in Mexico, yeah. are against each other. Yeah. So, like, things like that. You can also go into, like, gangs in Chicago, like that, too. Mm-hmm. Like, people just pin each other against each other, but we're all, we're all Latinos. We're all Latinos. We're all oppressed. All yeah, people all of oppressed. color are oppressed against the Caucasian persons right and I feel like that's something worth discussing like why aren't we unified like Mm -hmm. at the end of the day what ties us all together is the oppression so why are we sitting up here talking about oh no this is different and you're wrong and this Mm -hmm. and that are you crazy like the fight is bigger than this little minor altercation that you have that Caucasian people put and pent us against each other Mm -hmm. like why aren't we talking about that more yeah that's a good point I think it's I've heard a lot of people say, like, it kind of feels like we're all fighting against each other to be seen by white supremacists or, like, add, mm-hmm. have, like, a seat at the table. When we shouldn't be fighting each other to have a seat at the table, we should just get rid of that table, honestly, if they're not going to allow us there. Create your own yeah. table. Make your own opportunities. Exactly. Like, I understand that's not feasible for everybody, but if you're in a position, like, being mixed, for instance, being half white, like... What what did you say, Kay? We're more palatable to the white people. Like, they're... They love using us for tokenism. They're like, okay, Faith, you're biracial. You're a tokenism black person because you make us less uncomfortable talking about race. And I've personally created opportunities for my community and for myself that way. And I learned through my work, like, yeah, that's not applicable for everybody, but I make sure if I'm creating that opportunity, I'm also giving out opportunities as well. Can you go ahead and tell us how you both are advocates in your community or how you would want to help out your community? Like, personally, yeah. I know, like, being at the age that you are, right out of, like, high school, mm-hmm. I know I wasn't as involved in my community that I wanted to be. And then yeah. once I went to college, that's when I was more open to, mm-hmm. okay, this is what's happening. Mm-hmm. Let's start doing something about it. Yeah. Start learning about it. Because you only know what you know from school. You're not going to know that, like... Right. My ancestors came to the United States just to work on fields. Yeah. And because of that, we decided to stay and we created these, like, cultures. We didn't, we never talked about, like, how the Asian community came in. And they also helped with the railroad tracks. You don't learn that until you get to, like, a different institute. I was lucky enough to go to a very liberal um, university, public university in Chicago. And uh, that's where I learned a lot of my stuff. That's where my advocacy started. That's where I learned that I wanted to be able to help out my community in a lot of mm-hmm. different ways. Um, but since you two are so young, you guys are starting off that new route. How, how, where do you see your future going with that? That's loaded. <laughs> it's, very, it's very loaded. But you can also go ahead and tell me a little bit about like Faith, the work that you've done. Yeah. Uh, Kay, things that you want to advocate Kay for. Kay does more. some work, yeah. too, though. Like, yeah, go ahead, Kay. <laughs> um, I think, I don't know if I'm, I do as much work as you. Don't do that. Okay, you do amazing mm-hmm. work. Um, I definitely advocate a lot for the LGBTQ plus community, but specifically, mm-hmm. like, PLC LGBTQ plus people. Because I think that's a big overlap that a lot of people don't realize. 
um, causes a lot more disparities if you're queer and also a person of color. Yeah. Um, so I do a lot of work with like LGBTQ plus, like re- reaching out to LGBTQ plus youth, queer youth, getting resources to them. But also, I'm trying to step my foot more into like talking about racial equity and like mental health in the Asian community. But also, honestly, like Faith and I talk about this, but just like advocating for mixed people, like yeah. just in general, like it's just. There's a lot of erasure, and I think yeah. there's a lot of identity trauma related to that. For sure. Yeah. And yeah. so I think that is also strongly tied with mental health, and sometimes we don't feel accepted by, like, our own people, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Which is really sad, because, um, I mean, we are part of the community, it just we're overlooked and our experience isn't really shown. And that's, mm. yeah. I would like to add on to that. A lot of people, because I'm bilingual, I do speak mm-hmm. Spanish fluently, mm-hmm. a lot of people don't take that into consideration that there's also that like loss of finding out who you are Mm because you're not necessarily like super like I'm not super Mexican but I'm not super American when I go to Mexico Mm -hmm. so it's also trying to find my my path and where I stand or like my younger brother doesn't speak English uh, Spanish that well Mm -hmm. so it's like oh like where where are we in that chart so it's trying to find that balance so I can heavily relate to that and trying to find my identity it's really hard Mm -hmm. It is hard, and I think we need to put some terminology to it. What you're describing is placelessness. It's like feeling undervalued, isolated, and without purpose. And, you know, you don't have to be bi, like, biracial, Mm -hmm. triracial, whatever, all the racials. Like you said, like, you could be bilingual, and Mm -hmm. you always feel like you're in this limbo. And, Kay, you make a good point. Even within the mixed community, we're so diverse like oh my gosh like who do you even relate to like Mm -hmm. who is your representation even when it comes to me and let's just say the black and white mixed community Mm -hmm. we're pinned against each other and we're the same like we we should be the same but Mm -hmm. your hair texture is different your eye color is lighter and in american culture they like that certain stereotype of mixed people Mm -hmm. and we're fetishized and we're competing for guys or girls or whoever you know sexual orientation you're into Mm -hmm. but it's always competition and i've always felt that all of my life and that what goes into that mixed trauma is like you wake up one day and you're like but who am i like Mm -hmm. i had the opportunity going back to your question i had the opportunity of finding power in my outlier characteristics and I turned that into strength. So I moved from Tennessee and I came to Schaumburg. So what that looked like is I came from a black community. I was so used to that. That was my family, that was my culture, my identity, everything that I loved and that I knew. And you come out here in Chicago suburbs and the demographic is so different, okay? Like it's majority Caucasian, maybe even um, Indian. And again, there's that placelessness, right? But I seen that our black community felt that placelessness and I had to start a change. And I had never done advocacy before. I didn't even know the terminology. I didn't even know how to put together a presentation, to be honest. But I had to do something. Like, that was my catalyst. That was my spark. So I started the only Afrocentric club in my school. And I don't know, that that was hard, dude. Like, I could tell you a lot of different stories, but I say that all to say that was the catalyst. My club led me to different opportunities. And even being mixed, we are more palatable. So 
after I did that, made a name of myself with the Black History Month event, got politicians to speak to me. They they wanted to know the work that I was doing. I started getting called to the table, right? Faith, hey, we need your perspective. Faith, be on the D211 equity team. Faith, faith, faith. I ain't never experienced that before. Now they calling my name. <laughs> but it forces you to think, like, if I had more melanin, if I was just black, like, what they calling me like that? I think being mixed, having that privilege and that oppression, they put you in your box. Yeah, I'm going to bring you to the table, but am I including you? Like, no, but it looks good, though. So that's kind of where, when leaving high school, I, like, realized that's what happened to me. Yeah, we're definitely very tokenized, I think. Like, yeah. we're used definitely. to And I think that's an experience a lot of people of color can just relate to in general anyway. Mm -hmm. um, but I think, like, as mixed people, it's since we're the digestible version, um, that exactly. can happen a lot, unfortunately. Yeah. Great. I mean, and even as me, uh, just being a black man, I was still kind of like the token in the sense of, I grew up with a father who was strict, so it wasn't no party, it wasn't no drinking. Mm -hmm. um, I grew up around a family that was pretty well educated, so I, I had some sense and didn't play that acting <laughs> crazy, so I carried myself a lot different. Yeah. Because I couldn't go to parties, I couldn't do crazy things, I joined all the clubs at my school, so I was like the, um, I was a student governor, key club, mm -hmm. anchor club, president of DCT, I was doing all those things. And um, um, I'm not saying I was like completely like, didn't hang with my brothers, I wasn't black. Like, I was culturally, <laughs> how I talked, I hung with my black folks, but I still, like, I was, I've always been the type that I could hang with just, like, any group. Yeah. And because of how I carried myself, people would kind of, you know, favor towards me compared to my other black brothers who was, mm -hmm. you know, who lived a little bit differently than I. They're not worse than I or anything by any means. Like, a lot of them were some of the best people I, like, they're the best people I know and they taught me so much. Um, but because of how they how it's dressed in that black garment, they look mm -hmm. at it and say, "That's not professional. That's not right." Look at mm -hmm. how they dress and look at how they so talk. So true. And how they moving? Man, not knowing about though, they look like that, but they got a better heart than you. They yeah. look like that, but they're more intelligent than you. You you've been to college and you had you got the book smart, but they are wiser and they know how to apply mm -hmm. it. They know how to work with people. With people, so I dealt with some of that and. Um, Especially in high school, you know, because you, um, and like yourself, Faith, and like all of us, like, because we're, um, and I said, you get you got more aware of it in college, but like yeah. when you're in high school and stuff and you're just slightly aware, you're already steps ahead of your peers. So, mm -hmm. but you're not ahead to enough to, ahead enough to understand everything that's going on around you. Yeah. So like, true. so like they're usually, you so feel true. good, but then like, as you get into it, or even as you come out of, out of it, you're like, wow, like I was a total. Wait a minute. Mm -hmm. there, yeah, that's so. where the oppression comes <laughs> exactly. in. Yeah. You start feeling it. Exactly. I mean, I grew up in an immigrant household. My parents immigrated from Mexico mm -hmm. in like the early, late eighties, early nineties. So a lot of my growing up was we're figuring this out. Yeah. We're the first mm -hmm. ones here, and we're gonna we're gonna do it. Yeah. Education was heavily, heavily like stoned upon me. I was um, I have two older brother. Uh, I have a, two brothers. I have an older brother and a younger brother. They were the athletes, and I was the book smart mm -hmm. one. So it's always <laughs> like, okay, how am I going to make my family's life better? That was always yeah. it. That was always the goal. It's, it's I mean it still is always a goal to make sure that having a purpose for them to coming into this country mm -hmm. and making sure that they got, that we are giving back to mm -hmm. everything that my parents sacrificed 
my parents sacrificed a lot to be in this country, and I feel like like that's a lot of where some of our oppression comes. A lot of people do take advantage of that, of the mm -hmm. fact that like my parents only went up to sixth grade. Wow. So mm -hmm. it's always like my mom has told me like sometimes like when I was younger I'd get a little frustrated and she'd yell at me and tell me just because I went up to sixth grade doesn't mean I'm not smart. Mm -hmm. And that really, like, it really touches you and yeah. it, like, kind of humbles you in a sense mm -hmm. to be like, okay, what am I doing and how can I be better and how am I going to surpass this? Mm -hmm. So that's, like, one of my main experiences growing up was making sure I got the education, I did everything that I needed to do yeah. just to make sure, like, my parents, my peers, everybody was proud of me. And it, it, is, it is so stressful and I know, like, a lot of us feel that that we need to find this place in our like in our world to mm -hmm. make sure that we get that recognition that we get that oh if this person can do it i can do it and we should always like aim for the goal but sometimes it's hard it's really hard yeah and it's like it's supposed to be hard because we're breaking new ground like it's never ever yeah. easy to break a foundation that's been laid because it's been laid since all of us has been been yeah. here like my people were like drug here like and and y'all dealt with all of our pressures and different things like that and like trying to get over all that crazy stuff yeah. like it's that's what we are that's the foundation that we're standing on so it Thanks. takes that hardship but the sweetness to it is when you're fighting and you're tired, but then you look back and you have a following. Take man, the <laughs> so true, man. People come up to you and you're like, thank you for what you do. Man, that's what gets that's you. That's so true. They're like, thank you for taking the time that's to talk so to you about this. Mm -hmm. And that's so what true. starts touching you. And like, I came in to KYC, I knew I wanted to advocate for Latinos. That That's mm -hmm. what my main goal was after college was like, I want to do something, I want to do something bigger. And I feel like I've had numerous people come up to me and they're like, thank you, thank you for taking the step and wow. like being there for me. Or like even some of my aunts or uncles, they're, some of my cousins starting to go to college, they're like, thank you for walking through these steps with me with like FAFSA. Mm -hmm. and yeah, yeah. Like, that FAFSA. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> yeah. Or like just knowing what college is gonna be like, I only yeah. had my older brother to rely on for what my college experience is gonna be like. My parents, like I said, weren't educated. So it's a lot of just trying to figure a lot of things out. It's a lot of trial and error and like yeah. not feel, sometimes feeling that you're like less than other people, but you shouldn't be. I wanna bridge off of that. Yeah. You, you good? <laughs> I, was gonna, I was gonna take it to another question, but oh, okay. you bridge off of that. Because I feel like when you're traversing that new ground like that, you almost feel like you can't make mistakes. Like, yes. I'm not going to project that onto y'all, but I, I definitely pressure. felt like that. Yeah, mm -hmm. having that tokenism, it was so warped now thinking back on it because it's obviously oppression. But I felt like, you know what, I'm proud to be the token. Like, if this is what it takes to make that change, I'm going to happily do it. But then I felt like, oh, I have to be this much productive. I have to change it to this way. I have mm -hmm. to be to the quote-unquote white man standard. I have to constantly code switch with my dress, with my speech, with my presentation style, the way I walk, the way I talk. Everybody, anybody you would talk to just to get respect, recognized, and to feel validated and like you're actually doing something. And then that left me when I graduated feeling like I ain't do nothing. Because, like, <laughs> at the end of the day, there was still some students that were underserved. Like, it, it was still some, there still are some disparities, especially when they're not even listening to you, mm -hmm. when you have the courage to speak out in front of board meetings, et cetera, yeah. like when you take it to that next level. But you know what? Dawn actually here from KYC, she told me, she was like, 
Faith, like, you remind me a lot about, like, me when I was younger, and I was like, oh, Lord. <laughs> 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 and, and her biggest thing was, like, that's unrealistic, Faith. Like, you got to stop thinking like that. And I was like, yeah, 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 I know, I know. Mm-hmm. She was like, Faith, like, listen, the word is better. Just make it better. Maybe that's today. Maybe that's tomorrow. Maybe that's your community. Maybe that's a specific thing. But if you made it better, you made change, and that is success. And I and she wrote a rock, and Jalen roasted my rock, put that on air. But it literally is a rock, and all it says is better. And I thought that was amazing. So I want to share that. Oh, I love that. And I got to be careful because I mess around and start preaching on this month. I'm a man of God, so everybody talking, I already know. But um, that is one of the tricks. If you don't believe in God, I'm not going to force that on you. But that is a trick that we put on ourselves or the enemy puts on us that's like that will freeze you up from doing the work. Yeah. Because it's, you're never, you're not going to fix everything. And you never will, no matter where you're at. You could be the best. Look at MLK. Look at Malcolm X. Mm-hmm. Like they were trailblazers. And we're still fighting things today. Yeah. You'll never make it like perfect but you'll always make it better even if it's one little person that you affect that person affects two more and two right. more, mm-hmm. more it's like so no matter what you, if you it's say anything you do, exactly a hundred percent um so that so that's the fight that a lot of us have to fight mentally is the fight to mm-hmm. start mm-hmm. but um if there's nothing that I was going to add, I wanted to kind of take it into another direction. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Because um, we talk, and this is this is where things can sometimes get edgy with POCs, but because we talk about the white man and the system and the mm-hmm. system that's in place. Mm-hmm. But, and I'm going to share my piece. I want to know what y'all think. Like, what is the, what is the answer on that? Because some people's mm-hmm. answer is create our own, exclude them uh, like they exclude us, mm-hmm. and moving our I own see. route. My mindset is how do we break the wall between us and it's not that we build our own but we come together and there's no your own my own it's us so a lot of things that I do um, I've led protests I've done different events and things like that I've always encouraged white people come white people Mm -hmm. come like it's for everybody Mm -hmm. it's not just black people it's the focus is us because there's some information that's been overlooked Mm -hmm. but we need to come together we need to be one you need to hear my voice you need to feel me when mm-hmm. I, when uh, Ahmaud Arbery, Ahmaud Arbery got killed, it hit me so hard, and I made a video and I put it on Facebook, and I was just like, I go back and watch it, I get heavy because I was so emotional in it, and the response I got from more than any race was white people, and they was like, oh my gosh, like what can I do? Like I, I, I care, but like I feel if I say this and I mess up, then is this? And I, and I was like, wow. Yeah. When mm-hmm. I did my protest, there were more white people than black people. I had wow. black people telling me, oh, you can't do that here. They're not going to let you. They're going to cut up. Mm-hmm. And white people like, I'm right there with you. I'm right behind you. Now, you got some that was like, I had more that was with me. Yeah. So what? what is our stance when it comes to viewing those who look like the ones that oppress us or you yeah. know, part of that mm-hmm. entitlement culture? What are y'all thoughts on that? Education. Mm-hmm. It all stems from home. Mm-hmm. The way that you educate your children the way that the school system educates you it you don't get you only get that one side you get the american side the white side mm-hmm. you're not talking like i said you, you're not talking about like all the struggles that they talk about slavery they talk about this and that and how it's bad but they don't go into depth about things they don't go into depth about like asian culture they don't go into depth about like a hispanic culture they don't go into depth about anything when it comes to these public school systems and you're only learning this in college, which is what I'm 
like knowing now, like that's where I learned all of my things is when I got out of that, like the public school institution mm -hmm. and I went to a very liberal college is where you start seeing like, maybe if I was educated on this, maybe if some of my friends who are Caucasian were educated on things like this, a lot yeah. of them, they want to know, they want to be better and they don't want us to see them as a bad person. They don't want us to that's see so them true. as like mm -hmm. our enemies. And so that's what true. I've learned from like a lot of my like Caucasian friends that I have, they want they want to advocate for us. And that that's truly amazing. But we do need to start with educating people on certain topics. At least that's what I think. What do you think, Kay? Honestly, this the question itself kind of made me question my own I don't know if prejudice is the right word, but preconceived notions about this idea of like the white man are working with the system. Because mm -hmm. um, I think it is exhausting in itself to try to work within the system or mm -hmm. with the system when it's trying to push you down. Heck yeah. And I think the other thing I realized also is that in my mind, especially towards my white side, sometimes I tend to not demonize it. I wouldn't say I go that far, but I hadn't even thought about the fact of like reaching out a hand to like see how we can work with them rather than just because mm. I think I got so used to like just trying to separate myself from it and that side of me and my family that if I think about it it is necessary to kind of have conversations yeah. with them educate them and I think I that was not something I realized until y you asked that question which is really surprising to me but yeah that was a, li yeah, a little I shook I never thought about that it's going to be all over the place okay <laughs> bear with me but I've, I've literally thought about this for so long. Like, I'm reading Martin Luther King's A Strength to Love. If you haven't read it, oh, my gosh. I'm literally only in just hit chapter two. And the things that I could tell you, but I'm not going to write about that. But he talks about the do-nothingness of black people. There's a facet. Um, then you have to understand there's essentially two different types of white people there's the type that's like i don't understand but i want to help mm -hmm. you know they don't want to step on your toes and they're the i'm down type okay mm -hmm. and then there's some that it's just like no we all have the same opportunities like you just gotta work hard someone literally told told me that and they weren't even white it was like <laughs> no black people are just lazy because they just need to work hard what systemic inequality mm -hmm. amongst other things but whatever that's not what it's about even with working in the school, um, I was a big advocate for you can work with the system, right? You just gotta, because being mixed, you're so used to code switching, that is your first language. Yeah. Like, you're, <laughs> no, for real. Like, I was just like, see, you just gotta look at both ends, okay? And then you have to, what we're missing is the translation, mm -hmm. is the talking aspect, right? So if I'm able to put in a way that's digestible, palatable for you to understand, then, you know, maybe sort of manipulate you um, to get what we need, you know, we can make it more equitable. Boy, was I wrong, okay? Like, I already told you, like, I went through the system and it still felt like a slap in the face and you leave and Sanjana would be a perfect person to talk about this with. Mm -hmm. You leave thinking like, okay, so what is there to do? Do we break down the system? Do we try to appeal to both sides? Mm -hmm. Do we exclude them? Do we, you know, you're in this limbo all over again. Do you cold switch? Mm -hmm. Do you just be you? And reading MLK's book just got me like, I feel like there's a balance. He says, um, quote, and I'm a butcher because I don't got the book right here, okay? But it's something like, the truth is neither in the thesis nor the antithesis, but a synthesis of the two. Mm -hmm. 
And when I first read that, I was like, what? Like, <laughs> I was like, hello, hello. And I, and I started and I said, come back to this. Noodle on that. Noodle on that. And I was speaking to someone else and it hit me. I was like, stuff ain't black and white. It's not including the white man. It's not excluding the white man. It's not, you know, solely focusing on, no, 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 no. It's a synthesis. The truth is in the synthesis. It's a balance. So I feel like when we have more space for education yes. to say, look at multiple perspectives. Let me learn from how you learn. Let me learn from your culture. Let me learn both sides. There's a synthesis to it. And if we're more mindful about that, that's when we can discover whatever the answer is. But the first step is the synthesis to find that truth. That reminds me of the concept of dialectics, which is mm -hmm. something that there's a certain type of therapy called dialectical behavioral therapy. It's DBT. Mm -hmm. But that deals with the idea of two things can exist and be true at the same time. Interesting. And I think that's a very good, like, the idea of synthesis is, like, maybe we're just looking for, like, one specific answer. Right. But it's not really just one answer. It's multiple that can exist at once. And we need to combine all of it. And yeah. a cultural change. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Definitely. And, like, and we talk about it. And education, I think, is 100% what is needed. It needs a light shine on. But... I'll say this, the biggest thing is one word. When you say MLK, I thought you was going to hit it, and you kind of did a little bit. Mm. But to me, it's love. Um, mm. do, I, do, I love do I love you? And, like, and yeah. me being a Christian man, like, love is the foundation. No matter what religion, I ain't going to say, I don't know all religions, but I know most of them are based on those kind of qualities and principles. Like, do, do I love you? Like, no matter what you look like, do I love you? Because if I love you, a love covers a multitude of, of faults and sins. A love will cover that. Like, yeah, you hurt me, but the love covers that. Yeah, when I think about, like, the oppression and I think about the the instances I've had with police pulling me over. And I've been in a place where I was innocent. And I've been circled by police with hands on a gun talking about what I'm doing here. Like, all that makes me bitter. But at the end of the day, I have to ask myself, do I love you? Because mm -hmm. if I love you, then though you tire me out, I could say, all right, but what can I do to open your eyes? What can I do to help you out? Yeah. What can I do? You know what I'm saying? Because nothing can be changed. Even on the grounds of education, it's not going to change. It may open your eyes. Like, I can, mm -hmm. like, say, like, I can say it act like faith isn't here. But then if y'all can educate me that faith is right here, and I can see her, but it can yeah. change nothing about what I'm doing. I so just true. know that she's mm -hmm. right there. So, like, where, where is your heart at in this? Is your heart really in it? Is your heart... Are you driven off of hate of the oppressed culture, and that's what's mm -hmm. driving your your motor for what you're doing, mm -hmm. or are you um, driven by love? Because hate can be easily stopped. Like eventually, you're gonna hit a wall, and it's gonna and it's not gonna be a nice wall. You're gonna be going mm -hmm. 100 miles per hour, crashing and burning. <laughs> but if it's love, love can't give out because that is the one thing that we can stand on. So, I think the biggest I thing agree. is like, do I do I love you? Do I love my people? What can I? What, that's that should be driving the motor. I feel like. You said that very well. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like I actually said this in one of the speeches, too. Another one. John, I can't even remember. But I said, it don't matter what policies and procedures you put in place. Like, no. But it don't for real, though. Because at the end of the day, that's still a piece of paper. Like, you could still spit on me, call me names. But there's actually, like, a little decoration in one of the other rooms. And what does it say? It says something like, uh, mm. love does not remember. Like, mm -hmm. like yes. it doesn't focus on what you did wrong. It's more love about growing. Selfish. Right, right, right. Mm -hmm. And it keeps going like that. And you make a great point. Like, if I love you, yeah, you hurt me. And I'm going to let you know you hurt me because we got boundaries and I'm going to 
hold you accountable. Yeah. <laughs> but at the end of the day, I'm going to educate you and tell you, like, this is how it's like that. And this is what I went through. And that's what it feels like. You don't have to have sympathy, the same thing happened to you, to understand. But if you love me, you're going to meet me halfway. You're going to say I don't understand, but I'm going to do my part. Mm-hmm. And I feel like not everybody's like that, though. So let's stop having this facade of everybody's going to love everybody, guys. That's not what we're saying. Mm-hmm. But the people who do love people, our strength is so much stronger than the people who hate each other. Yeah. That's what's going to make our change. Mm-hmm. So I want to say this real quick because you said it and it came back to me. But also when you was talking about balance. So mm-hmm. I think love, but I also think balance that people are created for different routes. Facts. I'm a people person. I love people. Mm-hmm. I love bringing people so together. So true. So when I did the protests and when I did community events, people was like, why are you doing this? Black people, it's not going to change nothing. Mm-hmm. No policy's changing. But I'm like, look, like you look so over true. there. You see that, that black man, that white man talking? Like, that's what it's for. You see that connection? That's, that's what it's for. Like, this this is my way. And then you have some people who are more political. Then you got yeah. some people who are who are rough around the edges, and that's okay. Everybody yeah. has their route. Yeah. So when you were saying that, that's what came to my mind mm-hmm. is I'm not supposed to be everything. And that's what I had to realize. Because I'm leading protests, working community. Then somebody's like, you should run for office. That's what you gotta I was be like, what? You're doing this work. Don't let nobody push you into a role that's not yours. I when agree. You're in your yeah. role, Brad, you're gonna set things on fire. That's so true. But I just wanna say that because that, that so kind of That's good advice. That's yeah. so true. Mm-hmm. Can we talk about that like real quick? Now I'm interested. Like, do y'all know what y'all's like I'm religious as well, so look, I ain't put that on y'all. But I feel like God put me on the earth to be a connector. Like, that makes me, like, uh, like you know how little kids get candy and they be so excited? Like, when I connect with people and I feel your energy, I feel like I'm an empath. It's like, yeah. it's something beautiful. Like, I feel like that's what I was meant to do. I've I've also thought about this, too. I feel like I'm a healer. Interesting. I, feel pe- I find people who have had, like, experiences we yeah. talk it out and they feel like they can come to me for a lot of things and they feel like excited to tell wow. me things excited to tell me about their life and it's like just trying not to put them back together mm-hmm. but for them to realize what they're doing and how mm-hmm. we can go about it okay. I like I that <laughs> I've never thought about that <laughs> we getting deep with it <laughs> hmm man it's hard to identify well I do know one thing about myself, which is that I am an empath, which Faith did mention that briefly. But I think I feel things strongly and feel other people's pain and emotions and happiness all very strongly. Mm -hmm. And I feel like my currency is that of, like, emotional currency. Like, I feel like that's what I deal with a lot and understand. Um, Yeah, I never thought about that, to be honest. But I feel like... It's a combination of healing and connecting. But I think when I have a person in front of me, like, I channel all my energy for that person. Yeah. Um, you've done that to me. Really? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So. That's, mm-hmm. And I think that's a very powerful thing. When you can emotionally, like, care and really connect yeah. with people, mm-hmm. like, that is so powerful because it, that thing can really drive change. I feel like some of the things that, some of the greatest, the greatest things that I've done in my little short life that's because I was pushed by caring about somebody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's so true. When you get pushed enough and you're like, I got to do something, that's when great things happen. I feel yes. Like. But that was a good question. I, I feel like that also goes with love. 
if you yeah. love something so yeah. much, you give it your all. Everything. Everything, that's what dude. I'm here for, to love people. I don't know. A lover. <laughs> yeah, no, for real. I don't know. I just see it. Yeah. And yeah, I love man. Don't we get we can really talk. About <laughs> I love it. Be here all night. Listen, that's I ain't even gonna get into it. Yeah, love, love, <laughs> love is love all. Love is deep. Love is deep. Love is deep. <laughs> you should love all. Absolutely, and um, I think that's gonna be man. We we ran through this. Like, yeah, that was it um, for real. Like all the questions. Um, we had a lot of topics. Oh, uh, let's. Uh, we want to end on one, just one little question. Just um. I guess in uh, what ways, like right now, are you advocating? Um, mm. Little, small, whatever it is, what ways are you advocating? I can tell you how I'm advocating. Yeah. So I am actually going to have a Latinx Empowerment Night mm. next Wednesday, June 23rd. I'm going to be showcasing some awesome Latinx work. I have a geologist coming. They're amazing. Um, I have an oil paint artist who's actually one of my, both of them are actually one of my close friends. And I also have a uh, community pharmacist. All amazing, amazing Latinxes. And I'm so excited to be showcasing their work at, K- at KYC. 6.30 to 8.30. I got it on my calendar, y'all. <laughs> you know, I'm pulling up. <laughs> Maybe I'll talk about myself as well, too. <laughs> <laughs> What about y'all? What about y'all? I love how y'all looking at me. Hey. Oh my God. Okay, I, I do, I do, 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 do a lot. Um, I don't even know where to start, though. Like, I feel like, let's put it like this. Everything that I do, I'm going to do it advocating. Like, I feel like that's the most powerful thing you can do. So, like, for instance, I have a nonprofit. Like, if this was a resume, I could be like, I have a nonprofit. I have this, I have that. But that's not the purpose, you know? I... Shoot, when I go into a grocery store, I'm making sure that person feels awesome. I'm like, hey, good morning. Like, they be like, hey, my name's Sarah. I'm like, good morning, Sarah. She's like, hey. And I'm like, oh. You know, like, and I'm advocating. I'm saying, you know, if I have this and I'm able to give, I'm doing that. Or, for instance, I have a Caucasian friend, and she, she, I'm, brief story time. But we was going to Target, and I was looking for a swimsuit because, you know, I go summer. But... We were going there, and she, she wanted to steal, right? And I wasn't with that. I was like, mind you, she got more money than my whole family, you know what I'm saying? But I was like, you know what? That's fine, but you do that over there because where I come from, you're Caucasian, and I know I'm light too, but at the end of the day, somehow that's going to be pinned to me. You know, that might be a $20 footed all swimsuit, and I'm going to be behind bars, and you're going to be walking away. Like, babe, you can't do things like that around me. And that doesn't have to be, you know, that wasn't formally, that wasn't in my club, in my nonprofit or here, but I educated her and I advocated for my community at the same time. So I just try to do different variations of that. Yeah, in terms of advocacy, I think, I don't know, I think change is made in smaller moments rather than these grand big gestures. Yeah. and so I think the ways that I've been advocating are smaller moments, but still important, I think. Um, <laughs> like, things I've noticed is, and I don't know if this is more so I've been forced to or I just really want to. It might be a mix of both. But I have a lot of conversations with my white family about race mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. their role. Awesome. And also the fact that if you want to be in my life and understand me and my family, I know, that's right. then you have to understand race. Mm-hmm. And that's just the reality of it. Um, so, not that I, I just don't want to let them 
have all these misconceptions about me and my family and just be going out into the world and like imparting that on other people. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Ooh, that's deep right there. Um, as far as what I'm doing, um, I do have a Juneteenth event coming up. Uh, this weekend is going to be in uh, Hanover Park. Um, this will come together and celebrate, um, try to just make known what's going on. And um, kind of like what you said and what y'all are saying, like, I feel like my advocacy is in, like, those small moments. Mm -hmm. Like, when I'm out mm -hmm. there with some uh, the young black kids uh, coaching football, and we smiling, we laughing, and they're, they're doing little things. And I'm, hey, watch your mouth, son. Hey, come on, mm -hmm. get your head in. Like, yeah. little moments like uh, like that, I think, are the most important. More like, I've done protests, but I can't connect with everybody on protests, but one-on-one, mm -hmm. -on -one, I can connect with you. And mm -hmm. So, like, I do yeah. that. And then, like, on social media, I leave my door open. I try to let people know, hey, I'm not one of those brothers that's gonna like, you say something wrong and I'm gonna I'm a snap. Like if you ask a question and you don't worry about it, I'm not gonna snap. Exactly. Like, I'm open, like I wanna hear you, like regardless of how you word it, I, I see your heart type brother. Yeah. So I try to like, just be open, but I think that's the best form the of best advocacy. Way. Like just putting yourself out there and mm -hmm. out. And sometimes I make videos, sometimes I just, to be honest, I don't even focus on advocating, I just focus on mm -hmm. being a brother who wants you know, people, real to you. I want love. I want people yeah. to know each other. People to so true. Things. So that's my uh, advocate. But I think <laughs> I think we're actually out of time. I think we're out of time. Man, I think we can go for another two hours. But we're gonna wrap this thing up, man. Faith and Kay, I appreciate y'all coming on. Thank you so much. I, of course. I think a great conversation today. <laughs> Amazing conversation. Thank you for having us. Yeah, this was fun. It was fun. Well, I, I appreciate everybody who's listening. Tuned into the read. <laughs> <laughs> we gonna be here. We gonna be reaching out. We call it the reach. Why? Because we, we reach. Because we wanna reach yeah. the youth. Okay. And that's one way that we advocate. Uh, oh, oh, per. Oh, okay. 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 That's how we advocate. I ain't mad about it. We gotta make a difference somehow. And that's this true. Is our little difference. That's true. Yeah. So my name is Jalen Jones. My name is Aniante Nunez. And we'll see y'all next time.